This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Good afternoon. Bear down, baby. Yes, sir. Bears fans, this is Take the North with your hosts, David Hall. There has been a lot in what promises to be a busy offseason, whether it's speculation over the number one draft pick and Justin Fields being traded or the execution of the closing on the land in Arlington Heights. And Dan Weeder. The 2023 Bears are made for the offseason. They are a dream in terms of content, in terms of debates, in terms of talking points, in terms of developments. We're just getting started. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Welcome to the Take the North podcast. I'm David Hoff on the Mullion Hawes Show on 670 The Score. Dan Readers from the Chicago Tribune. He covers the Bears. You can find our podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on the free Odyssey app. And you can watch us on the 670 The Score's YouTube page. We're just going to catch up on some loose ends with some pre-draft process things, a signing by the Bears. You can get us on uh, Friday morning. And then we'll keep this updated as news happens. Dan, I think there's not a lot going on. We have Ryan Poles and company on the move at some pro days. We'll talk about that. But there is a signing. Dylan Cole, special teamers, another former Titan, joins the Bears. If the Bears add any more influence from Nashville, next season's uh, Bear Down Chicago Bears will be to a country song and melody. This is getting a little bit silly. So many ex-Titans. What should we make of this? Titans and Panthers, they obviously have a, an affinity to uh, to those two teams with the additions they've been making here uh, this month. Dylan Cole was pretty active on Twitter shortly after the signing, requesting help from the city of Chicago and finding places to eat and places to live. And so he got a lot of suggestions in his Twitter feed on where he should uh, set up camp and where he should go eat. Now, I think most of us would agree that uh, living in the city and working in Lake Forest is probably not a good idea due to the commute. Others have tried it in the past to varying degrees of success, but that's where we are. Dylan Cole, obviously, uh, you know, this is a depth piece and a guy that's going to help you on special teams and maybe start a game or two if, if one of your other linebackers gets hurt. Um, but that's the, the wave of free agency we're in right now is, is adding to those uh, to those depth charts. I think it's cute when people join the Chicago Bears, they actually think they're going to be in Chicago. <laughs> right. Really, that's not the case. Uh, Get used to Forest, Hawthorne Mall. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's quite a haul uh, from Lake Forest to downtown, but you do have the rest of the season if you choose to stick around, which I think some Bears players have done. But I think, yeah, Dylan Cole is one of those guys that fits in uh, roster filler, special teamer, and the kind of player you sign in the second and third wave of free agency. Uh, we mentioned the pro day on Wednesday, Ryan Poles, Ian Cunningham, Matt Eberflus, and Chris Morgan, the offensive line coach, yeah. found themselves in Columbus, Ohio, at the Ohio State Pro Day. To me, I think we're always looking for clues and hints and things that would lead us and inform our opinions. Uh, what do we make of four key personnel, the four key personnel when you're talking about offensive line uh, additions, draft picks, being at the Ohio State Pro Day? 
I mean, the Bears are doing their homework, which they should be. They're going to get a better firsthand look late stages of the evaluation process of a guy that could be available to them at number nine, who a lot of people have projected to them at number nine when they go on the clock and pick on the final Thursday of April. And so uh, you just, you're, you're, you're furthering your evaluation and you're doing everything you can in these final uh, you know, month plus here to get your, your file uh, to a point where on draft night, you feel prepared, you feel confident, you understand that the evaluation you have on a player is fully complete. Let's get right to it because I think that at the number nine spot, to me, this could come down to the 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 idea of taking a risk potentially on Jalen Carter, who could be the number one player if he drops there on many people's draft boards. The risk that it, it comes with drafting somebody with his past versus what I think might be more certainty, a safer pick in Paris Johnson Jr., a left tackle who could be the highest offensive tackle rated offensive tackle in this draft. You could get some argument there, but a guy that you could envision plugging and playing and being there for a very long time, safe versus risk. And, and Dan, I don't know if it's that simple, but I think it could be by the time the draft arrives. Well, yeah, there's a couple things here and, and we've got a, a flurry of sound clips to play for our audience today because we're in that stage where we're getting um, comprehensive analysis from the, the people that are, are paid big bucks to do this year round. Um, and so over the coming weeks, hopefully we can can bring some of that to our audience and, and, and let you know what some of the, the Mel Kuypers and today Daniel Jeremiah have to say about some of these guys. Todd McShay will speak again uh, in, in the near future. Future and we'll have some of that. I, I think you bring up a good point about this draft being a little bit of a, an early test of, of Ryan Poles's risk tolerance and, and, and his risk aversion. And we'll see what that looks like, depending on who's on the clock and who's not and what he decides to do there. Um, I, I also just think that this is a fascinating draft again, because for the first time in a while, the Bears are picking right in the top 10 and they're picking in the first round. They've only had the one first round pick here in the last four drafts. And that was the, the, the pick that they traded up to draft Justin Fields. That turned out to be an exciting day uh, for the Chicago bears and their fans. And now we're back in the mix for the potential to talk about all of these top shelf prospects at length. And so without further ado, uh, you know, here's a chance to do that. Right. Well, I think absolutely. I have my thoughts on Paris Johnson, Jr. I have a lot of opinions now because of what happened and we learned yesterday, but also just big picture. But I think that it, it is important to hear what the guys who do this all year round, Mel Kuyper had his latest mock draft. He had a teleconference with NFL media and he talked about specifically when you talk about the two top offensive linemen considered to be available in this draft, it's Paris Johnson Jr. from Ohio State and it's Northwestern's Peter Skronsky. And this is what Mel Kuyper had to say comparing the two you make of the idea that maybe Skaronsky's arms are too short and that he would have to kick inside to play guard in the NFL? Can he still be a tackle? That's questionable, and that's the reason why with the 32 and a half arms and, and big six three and a half, and the question whether he could survive you know, at left tackle, right tackle in the NFL, where he's going to be a guard. Hey, look at Quentin Nelson, look at, at Zach Martin, look at the guards and what they've been able to do and how they've impacted offensive line. So, and he's got, and I think he can play all five spots. I don't think there's any question he can play all five spots. We have Patrick McCarry's here in Baltimore with the Ravens, and he's a great swing man. And we had to kick out the left tackle this year. He did a great job. Uh, against Jacksonville and Trayvon Walker. Didn't give up a sack. Had a heck of a game. So uh, that was after Ronnie Stanley got hurt. So, you know, and I remember Brad Hopkins came out of Illinois, a great football player. It was that 6'3". Um, 
So the arm length, width, or height is a concern. You don't usually have that in the NFL over the years, so you have to look at history and how that bodes for a player. But Skaronsky's versatility, how he played, which was great. Uh, I mean, his film evaluation grades were off the charts. It got down to those two. I actually had Skaronsky going one pick later to Philadelphia. So either one of those two would make sense. Johnson, I think, gives you more of the prototypical left tackle, right tackle in the NFL. I love the versatility. Uh, you know, left tackle this year, right guard. Uh, you know, you look at the Bears and you say, okay, you, know, you can play left tackle. You can project the right tackle. He's played guard. He at least played on the right side of guard. And that's the kind of guy at Ohio State with Justin Fields. You think about him as a guy who continues to develop, emerge. He's only had, like I said, he's had one year at left tackle. At the guard, he's still a developing player, which you like. He has not played his best football yet. So I just felt like the Bears, you know, now with Jalen Carter off the board and that mock draft, I went to the next best option, which was the offensive tackle. That's Mel Kuyper talking to the NFL media, comparing and contrasting Peter Skronsky and Paris Johnson Jr. Dan, your reaction to what he said about Peter Skronsky for, for starters? Yeah, no, I think it goes back to one of the main topics with Skaronsky, and it's just what do you uh, ultimately believe he projects to be long-term in the NFL? And I know we can kind of roll our eyes and say, oh, arm length, how important is it? Well, it's, you know, again, this is the NFL, and there's there's little things that make a big difference in major ways uh, when you're trying to put together an offense that can be, be highly functional. And so that's up to the people that are paid a lot more than you and I are to decide where they see Peter Skaronsky slotting, because you would hate to use a top 10 pick on a guy that ultimately becomes becomes an inside guy for you. You're trying to get some tackle support. Um, and, and so, like, that's that's just a, a part of the evaluation process that they're going to have to go through at Hellas Hall. And ultimately, I think we're all sort of leaning in the direction of, yeah, we'll see what happens with Jalen Carter on that first night of the draft. But if not, go ahead and shore up your offensive line uh, with with somebody that, that, that can lock down a position that you weren't able to fill in free agency. And that's kind of where this is right now. I like Peter Skronsky as as a prospect, and I certainly re- loved him at Northwestern, even though they did not have a great season his his last year in 2022. I, I sense uh, people that are liking the idea, and, and you know the the Peter Skronsky supporters, tad bit defensive, I think, about <laughs> the fact that he has you know an arm arm length, those short arms that are you know the evaluators consider a factor. It's not something that we are manufacturing or imagining. You've got people that do this for a living that have the, the research and the data to support their suggestions. When Mel Kuyper was asked about Peter Skronsky at tackle long-term, and he says, that's questionable. That's not something that is a slight. That's just a fact. And he right. also referenced him and compared the path of going from tackle to guard to two very accomplished offensive linemen in the NFL who've had very fine careers in, in Quentin Nelson and Zach Martin. So it's not an insult or a slight to acknowledge what is out there for everyone to see. Peter Skronsky, by the, by, uh, in, in the eyes of many talent evaluators, it has something that they're going to consider just much like 40-time bench press, whatever the case, it's immeasurable. And when you have measurables, you're going to take that into account. So while I think that Peter Skronsky will be an NFL offensive lineman uh, that will be accomplished for, for as long as a decade, perhaps, I get why people are projecting him potentially or leaving open the possibility that he would play guard. Yeah, I mean, and you allow yourself to be informed by the measurables. You don't need to be 
dictated by the measurables. You can let your film review and, and, and all the things that you do in the pre-draft process allow you to, to come to an informed decision, but you have more information. And, and so, um, again, like these are all fascinating pre-draft storylines. We've talked previously that the 2022 Bears are made for this kind of chatter because they're in the mix for so many different things. And, and over time, um, you know, you learn that it's okay to have these conversations beforehand and not just play the revisionist history game three or four years down the road. Um, it doesn't mean you have to come down hard one side or the other, but, but the discussions are worth having and it's worth understanding what exactly the folks inside the building that are trying to put this roster together in a way where it can sustain success have to consider when they're, when they're using a valuable, valuable draft resource to try to shore up something on their roster. In my opinion, there are just fewer questions about Paris Johnson Jr., I think he is, in the words of Mel Kuyper, the prototype offensive tackle in the NFL. My goodness, he's 6'6". He's got, he's 315 pounds, whatever he measured. He did 29 bench press reps of 225. He, I think, made uh, Chris Morgan salivate during his offensive line drills at Columbus on Pro Day. This is somebody that looks the part and looks capable of being a plug-and-play day-one starter on your offensive line, whether it's at left tackle and you move Braxton Jones to the right side or it's at right tackle and you keep Braxton Jones where he is. If you get an offensive tackle, a rookie offensive tackle that plays at an acceptable level out of this draft at the number nine spot, you would have to be overjoyed, I think, if you're Ryan Poles and if you're a Bears fan wanting to maximize your draft capital, especially that first pick. Well, you don't have to be a standout right away. You have to be a starter pretty quickly and you have to be able to perform at a level that allows um, everything you're trying to do with the evaluation of your quarterback to progress accordingly. But you don't have to be a standout right away because the Bears aren't in a position where there's a lot at stake in terms of their championship contention. And so you can use development as part of your formula here. And that's you. You mentioned Chris Morgan previously. I know there's a lot, a lot of optimism and confidence inside the building about who he is as an offensive line coach and, and what he can do with whoever they bring in to work with. Um, he's obviously going to have to do a better job in 2023 uh, than we saw in 2022 because there were so many moving parts and there were so many injuries and then and outs and everything else that went with it. Um, but that's part of this equation too, is, is can you get him in, in the building and then, um, you know, get on that runway to, to, to becoming a, a standout. Long term. And I acknowledge that, you know, the, the pro day was on Wednesday and we're having yeah. this conversation kind of on the heels of that. But I liked everything that I saw. And there have yet been any red flags that have been waving furiously about Paris Johnson Jr. So I said to Molly uh, on Thursday morning, if I am a prisoner of the moment, OK, tell me. But if I'm a prisoner of the moment, I don't I'm not interested in parole. Because I like where I am right now. This is something I could live with for a very long time if I'm a Bears fan. You get yourself a, a left tackle from Ohio State that has played against some of the best college pass rushers and played well uh, in those situations. You know, that's what you're looking for in this draft. A, a day one starter and somebody that could be, as you say, solid early and maybe spectacular over time. I'll just tell you this, in the Dan Weederer legal system, prisoners of the moment get lengthy sentences. I do not stand for prisoners of the moment. Uh, I do not disagree with anything you said there, and I think this is a, a an item on the menu that you'd feel very good about if you ended up choosing it. Um, just don't just don't get too deep into that prisoner of the moment thing. I know. Because it gets well, dangerous. Yeah, it gets dangerous, and then I put people away, and I throw away the key, and then everyone gets mad at me I, because I, I, I come down too hard. I, I'm sure I'll consult with my attorney uh, this <laughs> evening, and I'll have a much better perspective when, when I wake up 
of tomorrow, but this is today and we're going to deal with it. Um, one thing I might have a hard time understanding, even though uh, I'm open-minded, I think you got to be open-minded going into this draft, is if the Bears took a corner. A guy yeah. like Devon Witherspoon from Illinois, I-L-L, uh, I-N-I. So M-I-A, you said last week. I, that was the basketball program. I have right. a little more respect right now for the football program. They show up, they'll hit you, and they're not going to go away. I think with Devon Witherspoon, Boy, I, I like what I see, and I watched more Illinois football than I than I expected to last fall. Um, Dan, we heard from Daniel Jeremiah, who from the NFL Network is a very highly respected evaluator. This is the way Daniel Jeremiah described Devon Witherspoon. Witherspoon, when you first popped him on, is just blown away with the instincts and just the natural feel and awareness route recognition. He sees things before they develop. Sometimes you can see guys that have the athletic ability. And sometimes you see guys that really have studied film and they know how to play. And it's not common when you see guys that have all that wrapped up together. He does. He's, he's a complete package that way. I mean, I wish he was 200 pounds. He's not going to be, he's going to be a little bit lighter, um, but he he just pulls a trigger. He does not he does not play with any hesitation. He plays with ultimate aggressiveness and confidence and urgency. Um, and then you say that and you're like, okay, well, let's see what happens when they hit him with double moves because sometimes you you can take advantage of guys that are that are making plays on the ball. He doesn't fall for it. He's uh, he's really really instinctive that way. He's outstanding in zone. There's a play in the red zone. I want to say it was. Virginia, who they're playing. I have to go back and look at my notes. But th- there's a play where he's in the flat. He's in the flat as a flat defender. That's where his responsibility lies. He just reads the quarterback's eyes. He comes off of the flat about the, you know, the front of the end zone, maybe the five yard line. And he ends up in the back of the end zone, breaking up a pass on a crosser just because he was reading the quarterback's mail. He just got outstanding eyes, quickness and, uh, and ball skills. And I like the fact that he plays with an edge. And, you know, I talk, I like to talk to the guys that have been training with him, uh, with these guys and kind of get some feedback character wise, personality wise. And they're like, this guy's just got really, really good Florida swag. Like he brings good energy, reminds me kind of, of the way, you know, we had a lot of Miami players when I was with the Ravens. He's got that kind of a good Miami vibe. So I'm a Witherspoon fan. I love his game. Somebody's going to get themselves a good cornerback, whether yeah. it's a, I, I doubt it will be the Bears at nine, but he could go in the top 10. If not, I think he definitely is going to go in the top half of this draft. Yeah, no question. I mean, he, he's he's a top 10 talent. He's a guy that will be picked in the top 20. And like you said, someone will get it. You hear the uh, adjectives used there by Daniel Jeremiah, aggressiveness, confidence, urgency. The Bears obviously used two. Uh, their top two draft picks in 2022 on their defensive backfield. I doubt that they would do it again, particularly because you talk to people around the league, David, and most people see this as a very deep corner class and that you can get guys that are really, really pretty good in the late parts of day two and into day three. Um, and so that's what Ryan Poles is, is vowing to be uh, guided by the idea that, you know, <laughs> you find your value, you find your positions of strength and you understand where you can wait on some things and where you need to go on some things. So he probably will not be introduced at Hell's Hall, but that was a pretty glowing recommendation uh, from a guy who studied him pretty closely. Two thoughts on that. Number one, I think Witherspoon might only make sense for the Bears to consider if for some reason they trade down out of the nine spot, they go into the teens for whatever reason. You just don't know what's going to happen when you're on the clock. And that's typically when these kind of move, move downs are made. And the other thing is, is that I agree with you because of the, the need of the position, what they did last year in the draft. But I also think that 
from my perspective, I didn't expect the Bears to go into free agency hell-bent on rebuilding their linebacking core because I just didn't feel like that was going to be priority one. So as far as we know, they may have Devon Witherspoon higher on the board than we anticipate because of those traits and attributes Daniel Jeremiah identified. And I think he's exactly right on. When you watched Illinois play, this kid had great feet and an edge. And he was fearless. And so when he challenges routes, he may have to learn that. And the double move is where he becomes susceptible if he's that aggressive against real polished NFL route runners. But if the Bears move down, he's in the teens. You never know, especially because of their priority list, that you just can't really ever feel very good about predicting because Ryan Poles, we're still getting to know exactly what he likes. Well, and I like edge, and I like edge when it's sharp in the right spots. And I, I think Devon Witherspoon is one of those guys that that has that edge in in a way that's that's channeled properly. Uh, definitely the requisite confidence that you want to have at that position. Um, and we'll figure out what his draft fate is uh, in late April. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. So we talked last uh, podcast about how important it was for the Bears to continue the evaluation process after they have gotten out of the number one overall spot and whether or not there's value in continuing to, you know, what do you think about Will Levis and how is Anthony Richardson uh, under pressure and those kinds of intangibles and that kind of evaluation, which made it interesting to look at this is going on with the teams uh, now are going to be having to do that for their franchise. Carolina comes to mind. We heard from Frank Reich earlier this week. C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young. It's going to be either or. I feel like right now, before we get to the Mel Kuyper evaluation, Dan, we're getting hints that C.J. Stroud may be the guy, and it may be because of your guy, the influence (laughs) of Josh McCown, that we're seeing that C.J. Stroud could emerge as their favorite quarterback. There was a, a a sound clip out there that they, Josh was challenging him to play horse, right? And, yeah. and said, you know, we'll get, we'll find a hoop when you're in Charlotte. And people were trying to dis- determine whether he said when you live in Charlotte or when you visit Charlotte. And everybody's doing the the pre-draft uh, scrutiny on that. Um, look, like they've got a good good cast in Carolina to develop a quarterback with Josh and Frank Reich and Jim Caldwell and uh, others that 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 are going to be, uh, you know, taking on a a project that that should have a lot of potential to it. Um, just to to kind of steer this a, a different direction for a second, the only people that get longer sentences than prisoners of the moment in my law, law system are, are revisionist historians. And so one of the things that you learn over time covering the league is when you're covering a draft, you want to gather as much 
philosophy and decision-making principles from the people that are making these decisions as you can so that they can't come back four or five years from now and change their mind on what they were saying about a prospect in the moment. So listen, when you go into the 2023 offseason and you have everyone saying that you control the offseason, you are the owners of the number one pick, the owner of the number one pick has the option to do whatever they want with any player in the draft. And so it is imperative that we keep our mind on what the Bears are passing up by trading out of the number one spot, what they're passing up when they pick at number nine, when we see guys that are still on the board, it's imperative that you measure those things because we all know that there's redrafts three and four years down the road where the board looks nothing like it looked on, on the actual draft night. And so that's why I think just in conjunction with the conversation we had last week about the bears, um, you know, not maybe completing their homework assignment on the 2023 quarterback class. Well, now the Stroud versus Young argument is one that you still have to pay attention to in Chicago until Justin Fields makes his fourth Pro Bowl. I do not want to be somebody who gets his PhD in revisionist history. (laughs) So I'm going to go on the record now and say those are good points. But Bryce Young is going to be a better NFL quarterback than C.J. Stroud. Studs, timestamp it. Timestamp it, studs. <laughs> Bryce Young is going to be a better NFL quarterback than C.J. Stroud. If I were the Carolina Panthers, I would not mess around by getting Josh McCown to see if he could make a left-handed layup in a horse game <laughs> against C.J. Stroud. Nonsense. Pick the gimme. Take the gimme. Bryce Young is there. I know he's shorter. I know he's slighter. But I do think he's going to be better. And C.J. Stroud. That said, who cares what I think? Because Mel Kuyper does this for a living, and he evaluated Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud and compared the two. I think there's a lot of factors that go into to trying to figure this out. Uh, does Frank Reich stick to what he's done with the bigger quarterback uh, and go with C.J. Stroud? Does he go with the ultimate outlier? And there are some people that feel like you never should draft an outlier. Outliers will. You can't do it. Uh, Bill Polian always drilled that into me when he was on the ESPN. Bill always said, Hall of Fame general manager, Super Bowl winning general manager, always said, uh, you don't draft outliers. Uh, you know, Bryce Young is an outlier. There's no way other around that. Uh, you know, so I think that's the – and he plays a great player. So, you know, I mean, people say, I'm going to go back to Todd McShay. Todd said, hey, he's Patrick Mahomes. You know, he's Steph Curry. Okay, if you're Patrick Mahomes, Steph Curry, you're going number one. But then the size factors in. Uh, you know, if you're a little bigger, you know, and I'm not really talking about the height as much. It's the weight. Can he maintain that 204? That's why I think today will be important. I assume tomorrow will be important for that reason, to see what he is when they bring him in for their private workouts. Um, so it's really, it is, you're really close. You're really close. And I think Levis is in that mix for me and Richardson's in there. I think all four of those guys are really close. Um, you know, I went with Bryce Young because I set the part 195. And I said, if he's 195 or heavier, I'm going with him. He was 204. So that's why I went with Bryce Young. So I went Young, Levis, Stroud. Levis and Stroud, basically the same grade. And uh, and Richardson right there as well. So, uh, again, for Carolina, it's going to be interesting to see if Wright deviates and goes away from what he has done at quarterback to go with Young, or he sticks with what he's had with the bigger quarterback and goes with the 6'3", 215, 220-pound C.J. Stroud. So that's going to be fun to see how it plays out. I don't know if they made that decision yet or not. Sometimes teams have made that call by the time pro days take place. I've had GM say, I knew going into the pro day who I was taking a quarterback. To all the pro days.
things. I was there for every one of them, but I knew who my quarterback was before the pro days even happened. I had another former GM say, hey, it's not the pro day. Pro days aren't important. It's the private workouts for quarterbacks that are going to be the most critical part of the equation. So we'll see. By the time we get to late April, we're still over a month away. Uh, it's going to be fun to see how this plays out because, uh, like I say, you could argue either quarterback is the right pick, and uh, they have to pick one. So that's why sometimes it's better to get the guy that's left over than the other guy. That's good the guy they don't take. Take him. Sometimes that works out better in the long run. Sometimes it doesn't. There's no perfect way to evaluate quarterbacks. There's no you know, blueprint for success. Uh, it's, it's a lot of hit or misses, as you've seen. Uh, but for quarterbacks, it's got to be your gut feel. you got to trust your gut on quarterbacks. You really do. Everybody sees everything. We see all this. We get all the numbers. You know, you know everything. You get everybody. The information's all out there. There's no private information, things that they know that we don't know. Everybody knows everything. So it gets down to, you know, who do you feel is best suited for your team that brings that hit factor, brings that attitude, brings that approach that you want? That's why Bryce Young, to me, that's, why, that's another reason I gave him an edge. And the 195 was the bar with the weight, but he's got that thing that says, just let me be out there with my team and I'm going to win games. And I'm going to win the big I'm going to do what it takes. And I, I, just, I see things that nobody else sees. I can, I can decipher things quicker than anybody else can. That's Bryce Young's strength. That's what he does best. Can he stay healthy for a long NFL season? That's what worries me. Mel Kuyper from ESPN. Yeah, I, I, and look, like he says, it's not always great to pick first. The Bears can attest to that in 2017, taking Mitch Trubisky as the first quarterback. The two guys that came off behind him, particularly the guy at number 10, Patrick Mahomes wound up being a much better player. We all saw Justin Fields was the fourth quarterback drafted a few years ago. So the, Josh Allen, uh, Lamar Jackson, you know, it's, it's not always a blessing to be the, the, the one that has the first spot in the line at the quarterback buffet. Uh, but the Panthers have that designation now. We'll see if they stay there. We'll see if they maybe want to cede that to somebody else like the Texans, and, and, and we'll see how they go through the process. But Mel seems to be on board with you uh, that it's Bryce well, Young and Bryce Young only. Kind of, but I, I'll say this. When he says don't draft the outlier, I don't want to compare him to Patrick Mahomes. I'm not going that far, but Patrick Mahomes was the outlier. Sure. So drafting the outlier in 2017 was the reason the Chiefs are becoming a dynasty. So I think sometimes it works. Drew Brees was an outlier. Yeah. He was a second round pick, and maybe, you know, he was a guy you didn't expect to become a Hall of Fame quarterback, but he was. Uh, unorthodox. Here's the other thing, and I and I have a ton of respect for Kuiper, but I think sometimes he says he says things that make me like cringe a little. <laughs> um, saying that the breakoff point was 195 pounds. So are you telling me that Bryce Young, because he spent had seconds at Steak and Shake in Indy, is going to be a better NFL prospect because he weighed in heavier and over 195? I don't know. I think it's an arbitrary number. I don't think there's any any number. You can see him if he's sturdy, if he uh, can avoid hits, if he can stay healthy. I don't care if he's 190 pounds or 215. You know, you're going to play at a, at a game speed and you're going to have a durability and strength. Um, I, you're going to have the frames that w- withstand some punishment. I found it odd that somebody as accomplished and specific as Mel Kuyper is about certain traits like, Oh, if he would have weighed in at 194, I'd have yeah. said, okay, CJ Stroud's better. But oh, 204, oh, I'm all in on, on Bryce Young. That was just a little surprising. 
I'm, I'm with you that that number is entirely arbitrary and it's just one that was kind of pulled out of thin air and made into something. Look, like the, the, the challenge for Bryce Young at the NFL is going to be having the pocket presence and the ability to manipulate inside of, of chaos to avoid the huge hits. Right. It's not going to be what weight he's at. It's going to be, can you do the things that elite quarterbacks do in this league to make sure that they don't take a beating week in and week out? And so that's going to be where he's at there. Just to keep a Bears frame around this quarterback discussion, because that's important. I know I've told this story, you know, 30 times in my career and probably three times on this podcast before, but I always go back to the draft where Russell Wilson was coming out. That would have been the 2012 draft, if I'm not mistaken. And the Vikings coached him at the senior bowl. And there were people inside that building that were in love with who Russell Wilson was and who they thought he could become as an NFL quarterback, but they had already turned the page and, and, and made Christian Ponder as a rookie, their starting quarterback. And Ponder was heading into his second year there and they were going to see it through with Christian Ponder. And so they said, yeah, Russell Wilson's probably not worth uh, rolling the dice on at this point in our development, because we've already got our guy. You can see where I'm going with that. It's just yeah. important for us right now to understand that CJ Stroud and Bryce Young and where they go with their NFL careers is very much relevant to the Chicago bears. Again, until we know the end of all these stories, because that's what's at stake in this league. And that's how uh, fickle it can be when with one decision and one vote of confidence and one gut feeling and one feeling of conviction that leads you down a path. And, and you see where it leads. Okay. So let's move on. Daniel Jeremiah from the NFL Network, as we kind of get back through our sound on the NFL draft prospects, had an interesting point to make about B. John Robinson and the, the Texas running back that I think we both are somewhat captivated by, but I just don't know how that could Practical. be justified giving. Yeah. And, and plus, you know, can you justify that kind of luxury? I love the idea, but I think sometimes I do get carried away with loving that idea. But But he had... He had an interesting point about the kind of team that might be ready to draft or take a chance on Bijan Robinson from Texas. And is not only the best running back in this class, he's one of the five best players in this class. He's elite. And then you then transition to, okay, where does he go? And then all of them say, I have no idea. You know, I, I have no idea. Does he go into the twenties? There's people that say, I, there, there will not be people inside the league. And I know, and some people think, oh, the analytics, they'll, they'll kill him. If, if he were to go in the top 10, he would not get laughs around the league because people know how good this guy is. Um, so it, I just don't know where to put him. And you look at all the different needs that these teams have. And my philosophy on kind of the running backs is I don't, uh, I don't mind taking a running back in the first round as long as your team is ready to win right now. Because if you, if you take into account the guy's got, four, five, six years of, you know, elite production. I don't mind getting them in the first round because I get the extra year on the contract with, you know, it's easy to control it. Um, then I've got a franchise tag number if I want, and that can kind of take me through all of his prime. But I don't want to waste carries on a crappy team. I want to have all of his carries over that five-year period count and help us push towards, you know, a championship. So to to take a, a big-time running back like that and your team stinks, you're going to waste his prime and it's not going to do anything for you. So that's that's the conundrum there with, with B. John Robinson. But he is no doubt about it to me. He's one of the premier, premier players in the draft. That's an interesting way to look at it, and he's exactly right in my view. Teams ready to win now can take that chance. And yeah. boy, boy, can you imagine a team like the Eagles – ending up yeah. with Bijan Robinson. That's what some mock drafts have him going. And if they add him to the mix with Jalen Hurts and their outside receivers and tight ends, and goodness sakes, that offensive line, that would be 
a home run pick. I mean, don't question about it. And and if you're if you're limiting it to just teams that are ready to contend, my God, you're going to get a guy that pretty much everyone in the league says is a sure thing. The reason I'm so appeal is so intriguing to me, and I've said multiple times here in the recent weeks that the Bears shouldn't do this, and they likely won't do this. But the, the appeal to it is the fact that that you're getting a, a sure thing. And we know here in Chicago, as well as anyone, that sure things in the first round are, are few and far between. And so if you can just fill that hole with somebody that you know is going to be a difference-making impact player for you for a half decade, it is appealing. Now, look, like Daniel Jeremiah's reasoning makes perfect sense to me. It's perfectly logical. It's the reason the Bears probably will not take B. John Robinson. But, man, you, you know, this guy is is a really, really good football player. He's going to make a lot of fantasy football owners very happy in the next few years. And there is going to be one NFL team that if he winds up in the right situation, that might put him in as, as one of the key engines of a Super Bowl draft. You said the Bears shouldn't do this. Uh, again, back to the question about do we really know what Ryan Poles is thinking going into this first round? What would it take, do you think, and I guess what would be your level of surprise if they did take a chance in a swing, a big swing here on a running back early? My level of surprise would be huge just because of all the things that we have been harping on them for. And it's, you know, build from the trenches, go get your offensive line help, go get a pass rusher, go get somebody that can help you on the interior or defensive line. So it would be, you know, hypocritical of us to be like, do that, do that, do that. Yeah. Draft a running back. Woo-hoo, you know? And so that, that's, that's kind of the dilemma there. So I'd be, re- I'd be very, very surprised. Um, I would like to, to learn more about what their view inside the building of, of Bijan Robinson is just to, just to know kind of how they process it and why the decision is being made just because of the, the valuation of the position in this league in 2023. What is your minimum sentence for hypocrites in your uh, system? <laughs> well, so what, what did we say? We said uh, prisoners of the moment. That That's really bad. What, what? was the other one that I had for you? Historians. Oh, revisionist historians. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah. Man, like even just saying that word in my head makes me angry. I know. Um, hypocrites, it's, it's, that's like more of a misdemeanor for me. Is uh, it I a mean, misdemeanor? Yeah. I mean, yeah it's we're all a little bit, hip, we have a little bit of hypocritical uh, <laughs> approach to a little bit of everything, right? Yeah, it's a more of a wrist slap. The other stuff, uh-uh. Uh, speaking of uh, wrist slapping, so how much um, when we talk about Aaron Rodgers and <laughs> and uh, what is next for him, he's still kind of waiting to be uh, dispatched to New York, traded officially to the Jets, becoming a member out there. I, I love that uh, Rick Pitino was the latest to weigh in about <laughs> Aaron Rodgers in New York, talking about uh, – the possibility Rick Pitino, the new St. John's coach, knows a little something about New York uh, taking a little shot at Aaron Rodgers. But, Dan, we solicited suggestions uh, about Aaron Rodgers. We we want to follow through because the signature farewell, farewell card that were submitted to the Take the North podcast created some very interesting responses, and I'll let you take it away from there. Yeah, kudos to Studs for uh, for for going out to the Walgreens and buying this nice card for us. Obviously, we you know you know the respect we have for Aaron on this podcast. We know how thankful we are uh, to him for interrupting the darkness retreat for six great minutes with us on the part- podcast not that long ago. And so Studs bought him a little good luck in your new job card. And we asked some of our audience members to 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 give us a little signature on Twitter. Um, and I have a handful of these that I'm going to read. The first one comes uh, from from Eric Swanson, and he says, well, Aaron Rodgers is finally gone, and the final Infinity Stone has been collected so that the Bears and myself can finally find peace in the NFC North for years to come. 
Have an awful time in New York. I hope you stub your toe on a metal bed frame every day for the rest of eternity. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's a good submission by Eric. Great. Now you, now you're really deep in a hurry for the rest of eternity. <laughs> you, you want your leadoff hitter to get on base. Eric Swanson, leadoff triple. Appreciate that response. Yeah. Uh, we had at Rossi Ice gave us Bayahuasca. <laughs> which was a nice farewell. Take care. Good luck in New York and, and enjoy whatever trips that you, you, you need to go on to get there. Uh, we got a, a, a GIF from at HMDBI 1974, who just gave us a, a GIF of, of Jimmy Fallon saying, go on, get, which means get the heck out of here. Uh, the Helitech Hall show said, enjoy the new gig. At least Favre left you with a great nucleus. You're leaving a mess for love, but hey, be you. <laughs> be you a nice little <laughs> naggy touch at the end and, there and a couple more here we had uh b quinn 34 loyal listener he just gave us the the ice cube from friday gift by felicia another one that's uh, not really uh there for you there are a couple here that didn't necessarily meet the fcc terms of of uh, being clean uh, enough for us to read on thank here. you i don't think that would surprise you uh the no. last one i'll give you is from at shy guy 08 and he said Adios, Aaron. Word of advice in New York. Don't send any blank pics. So, <laughs> little I, advice I, on the way out the door. Yeah, nice little uh, farewell wishes for Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Let's hope it's official. Let's hope he's actually on the way. I don't think even if it breaks down, he's going to wear a Packer uniform again. He was yeah. likely retire or Jets or maybe a mystery team emerges. Who knows? But the Jets are doing some interesting things. They signed McCole Hardman. Um, they make a trade to kind of free up some cap space. You wonder if that's all related. And also to get draft capital in return, yeah. so maybe to give back to the Packers who are holding uh, holding the line there because they feel whenever you guys want to make a deal, fine with us. We'll wait it out because he's not coming back here. <laughs> yeah, and it's former Hallis Hall occupant Joe Douglas who's running that show uh, for the Jets front office. And so he's got uh, a lot to think, think about, sort through, figure out. To execute this trade, I think we're all uh, ready for this to be in the rearview mirror sooner rather than later. But certainly, uh, old number 12 doesn't mind a little bit of attention and drama during these uh, offseason times. Last thing, we'll close with a question I have about going back to Paris Johnson Jr. And this is a silly one, but he, he has been on record. He is the only guy I can remember praising the Bears' combine meeting approach of throwing darts and playing <laughs> golf. He also is on record after the pro day in Columbus calling Chris Morgan amazing as an offensive line coach. Is he laying it on a little thick? Should we look into that <laughs> at all? Because this is a very effusive and complimentary offensive tackle. Are the Bears taking the bait? Do you think that means anything? I think when you're interviewing for a job, you praise everybody that could possibly give you that job and you make sure that you do it in a very respectful and uh, prideful manner. And I think that's what it's about. I think you also brought up a really good point because we're going to have conference calls with every player of the Bears draft on the last week in April. And we now have to ask every single one of those guys that gets on a speakerphone, putt, putt or, or darts. What did you right. pick and what were the results? Right. Like right. that is now the obligatory question of draft weekend. Um, and so, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to hear what, what guys respond. And to finish the way we started, I think I would rather wonder or question whether a, a potential number nine overall pick was too effusive rather <laughs> than too erratic. No doubt. And now it could be the bears having that to weigh between 
Paris Johnson Jr. and Jalen Carter. And we'll continue the conversation and weighing and contrasting and comparing as we get closer to the draft. Yeah. So a couple things as we flip the page here. The owners meetings will start uh, on Sunday evening slash afternoon, most likely Monday morning in uh, Arizona. There's a couple um, rules proposals that the competition committee is bringing forth. I wanted to ask you about two that caught my attention the most. The okay. first one is, is the more logical one, and it's it's whether um, I think the Lions submitted this one asking for roughing the passer penalties to be subject to either help from a sky judge or replay review. What do you, what do you make of that? Given some of the, the weak, weak calls that we've seen the last couple of years. I'm off for the sky judge. I think he gives you a perspective that is lacking when you're right there next to the action and you might be inclined to go be impulsive about it. The sky judge permits you to see things kind of uh, from a, a 35,000 foot view, maybe a little closer than that, but it gives you the perspective that you lack on the field. So I'm team sky judge. Okay. Um, the Bears are part of like a 25-team resolution proposal where they want to cut down uh, to one one cut day to go from 90 to 53 on the, on the, the Tuesday after the preseason finale. I don't really care. It, 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 I think right now they go from 90 to 80 to 75 to 53, and there's too many stops and, and people want there. I, I, I'm sure you probably shrug at that one, um, but that's one that the Bears are involved in. I think they should go from 90 to 70 to 53. I don't think you should go from 90 to 53. That creates too much of a chaotic uh, waiver Wire. reaction and waiver wire and you a lot of good players a lot of careers might be you know sacrificed in in the midst of uh, sifting through all those different possibilities and looking at all that different tape so i would be in favor of normalizing it um, giving it a little bit more clarity and going from 90 to 70 to maybe 53 the last one, and this one's been coming up the last couple of years because of the onside kick success rate. It continues to go down and down and down. And so the Philadelphia Eagles, the champions of the NFC, have proposed another variation of fourth and 10, or I'm sorry, fourth and 20 from your own 20 uh, as, as an alternative to an onside kick. The current version of the rule proposal says that a team would get to do that twice per game, and they would only be allowed to do that if they were trailing. Uh, and so you have this variation to the onside kick that, that now gives you an opportunity to, to keep the ball and keep games more exciting. It's a little bit rock and jock to me, but there's a part of it that I, I kind of like for the, for the end game sort of theater of it. If I wanted gimmicks, I'll watch the XFL. Okay. No. Absolutely All right, that's a hard not. no. So David's in the no, no camp. You, yeah, they, I, I think it's going to take a long time uh, for them to even get close to what it would Ridiculous. require to take a vote. And if they took a vote, they would need 24 out of 32 teams to approve it. So that, that one's probably going to get shot down next week. But I think it's at least it's it's chatter fodder, and I, I kind of like the the it, idea it, of would you be open to would you be open to experimenting with it in the preseason? Uh, why? And not if it's going anywhere. Um, I'm going to want to experiment with something. I'm not going to. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I, I don't want kicks. If somebody's going to get hurt, then they're going to say why did you do that because you risk injury no no fourth and 20 fourth and 16 i just do the onside kick and do it better oh, tell me this how can you have all these kickers who do nothing all week except for try to kick it through the uprights not get better at the onside kick i've always wondered that the problem is is you've changed the rules now where you have to have much more of a balanced side so you can't overload one side for the onside kick and so that's made it more challenging to uh, recover anything. And so the, the kickoff rules changes have, have turned that into a, a play that it's much harder to succeed on. And, and so therefore we don't see very many recovered. Um, it's just, I guess it's just the nature of the beast right now. And, and you're going to save the, uh, the, the, the rock and jock gimmicks for Dan Cortez yeah. and Bill Bellamy and all those folks from the mid nineties. 
Yeah, and yeah, and the XFL. I'm good with that. <laughs> I, I I don't want my NFL turning into WWE. So that's just me. Anything else? That's it. No, we're off to uh, off to Arizona this weekend. Uh, look, action-packed, information-packed week next week. We're going to hear from Ryan Poles again. We're going to hear from Matt Everflus for the first time since the Bears made all these acquisitions. We're going to hear from Kevin Warren. We're going to hear from George McCaskey. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of stuff on the field. Arlington Heights topics, this, that, the other thing. There's a lot that's going to happen over a couple of days in, uh, in, in Arizona, and I, I can't wait to get down there and feel a little warm sunshine on my body for once. That's great. Looking forward to your coverage out there. All right, you can find us on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You can watch us on the 670 Scores YouTube page, and we'll be back breaking down whatever happens in terms of what we hear from the Bears brass and what we see from the uh, pro days. And we'll put it all in perspective as best we can right here on the Take the North podcast. Thank you for listening. For Dan Wiederer and Adam Sudzinski, I'm David Hoff on the Mullinghaw Show. We'll talk to you next time. Great talk. See you out there.